to this morning tonight, and it seems that not only are we having, you know, split between Bible study youth and and uh, versus the old people, um, but the young people are preaching this morning, the old people are preaching tonight. So, um, <laughs> moving over on this. Side. <laughs> He told me I was old because I couldn't run. I told him I had surgery three weeks ago, and my teeth were real, and I have hair. So, (laughs) and I have the microphone. (laughs) How many love Jesus, though? (laughs) The old guy up there turned the microphone on on me. We appreciate the old people. The elderly people. <laughs> the older I get, the more the more I realize the more of your mind you use and less your body. So, but I understand that. So, no, I'm not using my brain because he's going to have the microphone tonight. So, anyway, um, recently discovered that that if you want to truly be, be sincere in your worship. And in your praise that, that you will scrunch your face up really tight and make a good, ugly face. And it makes you look like you love Jesus more. And, and the more you do that, the, the, you know, the easier it is to be spiritual, see. And, and some people do it better than others. They can just kind of stand there and do it. Uh, that happens the older you get. Anyway, I'll stop that. All right. So, <laughs> I'll stop that. But anyway, I, I'm excited. I do want to say a couple of things. We had a youth service Friday night, and um, it was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. The power of God just flew. I mean, it just, it was amazing. We had some anointed preaching from Brother James Michael and Sister Hannah Troxel. They did a great, great job. A great job. And I'll be honest, our, the praise team that we had were all young people, and they they blew it out of the water. I was very, very impressed with the singing that I seen and uh, and heard. And thanks to all the musicians that came and helped, it was definitely, we could not have had a great, successful youth service without you guys. So I'm going to um, turn your attention to Matthew um, chapter 10. We're going to be reading from verses 38 and 39. When you got it, say amen. Three people have it. Older people are still looking. Oh, Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. If you have it, say amen. If you have your Bible, say amen. Oh, I'm glad people brought their Bible. All right, so we'll begin reading. It says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Now this is Jesus speaking. If you have your Bible open, you can see that it is in red letters. That means that he is the one who is speaking these words. And once again, he's saying... That he that taketh not his cross, that if you don't take your cross and follow after me, then you are not worthy of me. Now, those are some pretty profound words. Those are some pretty powerful words. But it says that he that findeth 
his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake, so for the cause of Christ, shall find it. Now that is powerful as well. That, that means that no matter what we're doing in life, that if we are simply finding life in itself, then we're really going to just lose our life. But that there is one purpose that is greater than anything else. And that is, that is if we can find our life in Jesus Christ and we can give it to Him and lose our current life for Him, then we will find life and life abundantly, eternally in heaven. If we could for just a moment, let's, let's ask Jesus to just enter this place and allow His presence to move in our lives. God, we come before You right now. We are asking You, Jesus, that You move in the hearts and our lives this morning. God, that Your presence will be here, Jesus. That Your presence will be here, God. Lord, I pray now, a mighty move of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. A mighty move of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Oh, right now, Lord, let your presence, that we may lay our life down, God, and we can find life in you, Jesus. We might be able to lose ourselves in you, Jesus, God, that each one of us can pick a cross up this morning and carry it. Praise God. Let's give him a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. So, I'm going to preach on this, this thought this morning. It's called the second cross. The second cross. But in order to describe to you the value of the second cross, I must first tell you about the first cross. Uh, the first cross is the reason in which we can all have life and life abundantly. This world is full of empty promises. It is a world that will tell you what you want to hear. Uh, but yet we are not to be conformed to this world. The Bible says we're not supposed to be a part of the world. Jesus was not conformed to the world, but yet he lived and he breathed. He ate and he slept in this world. But he did not conform himself to it. He always held the kingdom of God in the forefront of his mind. He never let his mind think that he was, uh, think the way that the world thinks. He didn't give excuses for things that he did. But yet he thought about the kingdom of God, and that was the most important thing that he had. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 5 through 12, when the disciples come to meet Jesus, they forgot to bring bread. And knowing that, they begin to worry. What were we going to do, they thought? How will we eat? What, what are we going to do? And there isn't any way to fix this, but Jesus said to them, O ye of little faith, have ye forgotten already what I have done and what I can do? They didn't have the kingdom of God at the forefront of their mind. They weren't able to see what he seen. He had done miracle after miracle. This was the second time that he had fed somebody. They forgot that he had done it once before. They didn't have the kingdom of God at the forefront of their mind. And he said, I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, and I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves of bread. If I can do these things, why do you not have faith in me? 
Even with Jesus present, living in this world, walking and talking next to them, they could not have the kingdom of God at the forefront of their mind. The disciples were thinking the way that the world thought. How can I fix this? What can I do to change the situation? How will I get this resolved? And they were, and they are guilty of doing, uh, and we are guilty of doing the same thing. We depend on ourselves. We depend on our our own um, our own things in life to be able to get people out of situations. But yet, the first thing we should really think about is. What can Jesus do in this situation? How can He change this situation? God, God, I'm coming before you now and I need you to change this, God, because I can't. I and myself am nothing. But Jesus, you are everything. Jesus, you are everything. Having experienced what God can do and, and knowing that He can heal anyone, knowing that He can save anyone, but yet having but yet every time a situation arises. We question Him again and again. God, can you really do it? God, can you still heal? God, can you still save? God, can you still deliver? I would to God that we would remain consistent in our faith. That we have to realize that what we knew, we know that He can do anything. This is the reason why He robed Himself in flesh and came down from the throne of heaven. Seeing that that this was the only way to save a world that has gone corrupt. He had to take a place that only He could fulfill. Nobody else could do it. Nobody was perfect. Nobody had a sinless life. But He did. This was the reason of a first cross. There wasn't anyone else that could take that place. It had to be one who was perfect. It had to be one who was without blemish. There were no wrinkles allowed in His life. There was no sin allowed. And the only one who fit that description was Him. God said, in order for me to save a people from the error of their ways, I must present myself as sacrifice. Take the place of these people that they may have a chance. I will be their hope and I will be their deliverer. Do you guys know that we would not have hope in this place without Jesus Christ? We would not have deliverance in this place without Jesus Christ. There is nothing that we could do without Jesus Christ. Every bit of sin that we've done in our lives, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we would still be in a downward spiral right now. I'm talking about grace that covers a multitude of sins. Without Him, we would be hopeless. If you've ever been to a place where you feel hopeless, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But there is nowhere to turn. There is nowhere to go. There is nothing that you can do. But yet God, God robed himself in flesh and came down to this earth so that you might feel hope. For no other reason than you might have a way out of a sin-filled life. Hallelujah. He had to present himself as a sacrifice and take the place of these people. He had to be their hope. He had to be their deliverer. He had to be ours. The price he paid for us is far greater than what we deserve. Can I tell you, there's not one person in here that, des- that deserves his grace or his mercy, but yet he gives it to us freely. 
The price he paid for us was his way of showing us unconditional love. The Bible says that there is no greater love than a man lay down his life for a friend. Being a friend is something. We recently had a discussion about what is being a friend and and can I love somebody and not like a person. We had this discussion and we debated back and forth. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what. You can say, you know what, Rob, I love you. But if I don't like Rob, I don't have a bit of love for him. If I, if I don't like that gentleman right there, there's no way I can honestly say I love you. Because love says that I will step in front of you and I will lay down my life. No greater, no greater love hath a man that he lay down his life for a friend. Love is unconditional. And when Jesus laid down his life, he said, you know what, each and every one of you... You've stabbed me in the back a thousand times over. You've sinned so many times. You've, you've, made, you've made my cross a foot rug where you've just wiped your feet on it. And yet I still love you enough to stand in between you and, and hell. I love you enough to stand in between you and hell. Unconditional love. Jesus came down from heaven and he suffered persecution from a people that he loved. He suffered not only the pain of being beat with whips or having a crown of thorns shoved down on his head or being mocked and spit on, being made fun of and carrying the cross up a hill in front of thousands of people, humiliated, completely humiliated. He didn't only suffer that, but then he was lifted up on a cross and the nails that were driven in his hands and the nails that were driven in his feet, having to gasp for breaths of air. I don't even believe that this was the most agonizing pain that Jesus Christ went through. But I think it was the fact that he came down from heaven, a place that is so sacred, a place that we want to be. But he came down from heaven to save a people that he loved with all of his heart and they rejected him. They rejected him. They said, you know what? Your your 33 years on this earth is worthless. We want to kill you. Rejection from a people that he loved. They sat in the streets and they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. I think when he yelled out on the cross, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He wasn't referring to a physical pain that he was going through, but he was referring to the fact that he had spent 33 years doing the work of the Father. The work only he could do, and the people responded to all of his love by putting him to death. And yet we have the audacity to walk up to somebody and say, you know what, Jesus loves you, and and, and I want you to come to church. I want you to experience what I have. And they turn around and you say, oh, well, they didn't like it, so I'm not going to do it. I can't witness to anybody else. We have that audacity. He had an entire nation spit on him, an entire nation put him on a cross, and he did it anyway. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what kind of sacrifice you're making. You don't know what what you are doing when you allow yourself to be used by the kingdom of God. When you allow Jesus Christ to move in your heart. You don't know what your kind words do. You don't know even though somebody looks you dead in the eye and they say, I hate you and I hate your God. You have no idea what they're really feeling inside. They could be under the most conviction they've ever been in their life. Because to that person I'd say, well, I love you and he does too. I don't care. I don't care who in their right mind 
has the audacity to speak about Jesus Christ? Who in their right mind, if they have that audacity to say that my God doesn't matter, then I feel sorry for them. Ladies and gentlemen, may I say that we are in a higher place and position than the average Joe in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, we do not just sit here and come to church and feel the presence of God, but we are in an army, in a kingdom. A kingdom that is righteous and holy and knows that no matter what happens, one of these days there will be a God who comes back for His people and delivers us out of this world. Can I say that we have to be a little more kingdom-minded? Ladies and gentlemen, I have to say that sometimes I think our mindsets are a little carnal. I'm including myself in this situation, but sometimes I don't depend on God like I should. Sometimes I don't trust that Jesus is really going to do what He has promised that He would do. The Bible says that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He did not do this. This was part of the first cross. He did not do this that we may lay that down. Hallelujah. This was the first cross. Jesus led His life in a fashion and a manner. And at the end of it, Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. And if we think that we will not do the same, then we are sadly mistaken. If you think that every person you invite to church will simply just love you for doing that, you are mistaken. But there will be some with open arms that want to receive what Jesus has for them. And they've been waiting They've been waiting for somebody to pick up a cross. Jesus suffered through all that so that we can live because without the cross, we would, we would die. So we arrive at this 38th verse of Matthew chapter 10. It says, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Jesus is telling us very very clearly that we must do what He did. We must walk in His footsteps. We must deny ourselves. That is the hardest thing to do, is to deny what you want. To deny what you think. Because a lot of times our thoughts will turn into actions. It is hard to deny what we desire. But we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. Jesus denied Himself even though He had the power to call down 10,000 angels to deliver Him off of His cross. He denied the power and chose to pick up that cross and fulfill His calling. Do you realize that if He would have said, deliver me off this cross, He would have still proved He was God, but it would, His entire life would have been in vain? Do you understand, you living for God without fulfilling your calling is worthless? It's worthless to sit in the house of God day in and day out and never fulfill what He has called you to do. I'm not being mean. I'm saying don't spend your time in vain. It's worthless to come to this house and live for God and not really live for Him. 
You might not be where you want to. You might not be in your mind what you want to be in Christ. But can I say, don't stop. I'm not what I want to be either. But I tell you what, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying. I'm not going to give up. I might get beat down, but I'll get back up. What does it say about a righteous man? How many times does he fall? Falls seven times, but what does he do every single time? He gets back up. There's no matter what happens in our lives, Jesus fulfilling his calling was the most important thing. That cross was the most important thing. And here he is saying that we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Hallelujah. If you are worried about saving your life in this present world, then you will lose it. If you're worried about what kind of car you drive, what kind of girlfriend you have, what kind of boyfriend you have. If you're worried about how you look more, more than just being here at church, you're going to lose your life. This present world is a vapor. We've, we've realized that. We can see how many times people are not given 70 years. Day in and day out, people die. Day in and day out, people are here today and gone tomorrow. People that we love. If the recent events hasn't proved that, I don't know what will. Something that we thought would never occur, never enter our mind, and it happens day in and day out. We're going to lose. We're going to lose our life if we try to save it here on earth. But I tell you today that if you will lose your life for the sake of Christ, then at the end of your life, whenever that will be, you will save it. You will save it. It is your choice that you can live or you can die. I am not talking about physically, but I am talking about a spiritual life this morning. Because after we die physically, there is a spiritual place we will go. I'm sorry to tell you, but there is a heaven and there is a hell. God did not design hell for you. He didn't design hell for any person that is on the face of this earth. But if we deny Him, that's where we'll go. So if it takes being persecuted, so be it. If it takes death on this earth for the cause of Christ, so be it. To die for Jesus would be well worth heaven. We cannot repay Him enough for the gift of eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, can I really capture your attention this morning that when I say... When I say our minds have to be on the kingdom of God, that our entire purpose, our entire goal, the entire reason that I live for Jesus and that you live for Jesus is that we can be in heaven with him one day. And if we had a mindset on God, a mindset on Christ, we would say, God, today is a good day to die. Nobody wants to die but everybody wants to go to heaven. If I can capture your attention for just a moment to really think about that statement. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. There is one thing this morning that I will tell you that I will refuse to do, and that is to, d- to die for Satan to die to this world. 
My life is, cannot and will not be a sacrifice to Him in any way, shape, or form. Ladies and gentlemen, if we were here this morning and we were able, if we were able to live for Christ and die for Satan, what a shame and what a waste that would truly be. There, I refuse. I refuse. Instead, I believe it is our responsibility to do as Jesus did and present ourselves a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. It did not say maybe you should do this or just sometimes or only the super spiritual people should do this. Maybe just the ministry should do this. Um, It didn't say that. It said that every single person, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And it's reasonable to do this. It's not that far-fetched to do it. (laughs) We cannot leave this responsibility up to other people. We must take responsibility for this is our reasonable service. If Jesus carried the weight of the world on his shoulders, I'm sure we can help you or he can help you through the problems that we face in everyday life. He can help you through trials. He can help you through tribulations. He can help you through the hard times when you get beat down. When you when you when you think you're living for God and all of a sudden you get you get blasted in the face and you're laying on the ground thinking what happened what happened what what happened in my life what what where did I go wrong what what point did I turn on the wrong road where was the blinders put on my eyes Jesus Christ can help you through that He's not a sissy God He's a God with power He's a God with might. He's a God that can do anything that we ask, anything in our imagination above what we ask or think. The Word of God promises us that. If the Word of God promises that, I can tell you it's true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's true. It's true. The promises of God are not fake. He was the greatest example that ever lived. And and we should long to walk in His footsteps, to pick up this second cross that He has said that we should pick up. It should be our heart's desire every morning we wake up to say, Jesus, can you please help me get this cross back on my back so that I can begin to pick it up and walk with it today. God, heaven forbid that I leave it laying next to my bed when I get up this morning, God. But Lord, help me to put on this cross that I can carry it for you today. Each man and woman in this place has a cross that they must bear. If we do not pick this cross up, then we will not gain our life in heaven. That is not me saying that. That is the words of Jesus directly from the book of Matthew. You might ask this question, how am I, a human, supposed to do the same thing that the God of the universe did? And it's a great question, and I have a great answer. Romans thirteen fourteen says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't put yourself in wrong places. Don't put yourself around wrong people. 
Don't let the influences in your life be wrong influences. What you have to realize is that every person in your life is a provision. Every place you go is a provision. You think you, oh, you know, we, we talk about not going to the movie theaters and we talk about not going to places, you know, that, that have, you know, worldly music and things like that. Why? Why? You know, something so simple, but it's a provision. It's not that it's so much wrong, but it's that as you're in a certain atmosphere, you begin to feel a certain way. It's the same way when you kneel at your bed at night and you, and you go, God, why can't I feel you like I felt you at the altar at church? It's an atmosphere that we've created. And you put yourself in a wrong atmosphere and you'll end up doing wrong things. That's why this says that we have to make not provision for the flesh. Don't put yourself in a place. Don't put yourself in a place that could somehow end up coming back on you. For your flesh is going to lust. It's going to lust after things of the world. And you're going to have to fight it. Don't make it easy. Make it hard on your flesh. You might even ask me another question, and, and that is, how do I put on Jesus Christ? the first instruction given in Romans 13, 14. Well, I would say this is probably an even easier answer because Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, that is the most powerful verse. For it's saying to put on the God of the universe. This is what you have to do. Repent, die out to me. Die out to my wants, my, my will, my flesh. Repent, put it away, turn around. Walk in another direction. Repent. It says then that you've got to be baptized. Why in the name of Jesus? Because it's the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's not another name anywhere in the kingdom, in the universe, anywhere that can save a person. And then it says that you shall receive a gift. I like gifts. I, I enjoy getting gifts. I enjoy them. It's nice. I'm a gift person. You get me a gift, I like you a whole lot more. It doesn't even matter if you talked bad about me yesterday. I enjoy You can ask my wife. You get me a gift, I'm just a, I'm a pushover. I enjoy gifts. And free gifts are great. Something I didn't have to do for or work for. Just because I like you. And that's what Jesus did. He said, you know what, I just like you, and so I'm going to give you this free gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of my spirit. Can you imagine? Get an Xbox 360 and you jump up and down. You get the God of the universe in your heart, and what do you do? Think about it. I'm talking about the God of the universe. People, let's not put him in a box. He is all-powerful, almighty, and all-knowing. Come on. And He's willing to give you a gift that says, Hey, here, take me. Put me in your heart and let me live there. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost this morning. You want to put on Jesus Christ? You put on the Holy Ghost. You put on. You go back to an altar. You've already received the Holy Ghost. I, I hate to tell you this, but there are times in our life we can lay Him down. He won't leave us, but we can, we can flat lay Him down. He's not going anywhere. But we've left Him. He didn't leave us. 
And may I say that if you are in a position this morning where you have laid him down, where somehow something has been confused in your mind and you've walked, walked the wrong path, you've done something, you're not in the right mindset, that, that it is easy as doing the same steps again. God, that I repent of my sin. All I have to do is repent again. And he comes right back and we begin to put him back on. says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means if you can put them on, you can take them off. And if you put them on for church and you take them off for school, if you put them on, you know, when pastor's around and you take them off when your best friend's around, you put them on when you feel him, you take them off whenever your boyfriend or girlfriend's around. Come on, when is it that we put Jesus Christ on and we leave Him on? And we say, you know what, it doesn't matter what you think. I've got Jesus on and He's the most important thing to me. There's nothing else, nothing else anywhere that compares to Him. This is a promise. The Bible says in Acts chapter 239, this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord God shall call. As many as He's going to call. I have news for you today that He is not done calling yet. He is still reaching for the hearts of His people. If you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you have put Him on. But I urge you not to take Him off. And please do not put him down. And if you do not have the Holy Ghost, then let me tell you that he is in this place this morning to give you the Holy Ghost. If you have never put on Jesus Christ, he's here to let you put him on this morning. The cross is to be carried no matter how long you've been in church. You have to carry the cross no matter how much knowledge you obtain. doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter if you know there's 632 laws in the Old Testament. It doesn't matter if you can name every prophet by name. It doesn't matter how much you know about this word, this word. If you put down the cross, you've simply lived your life in vain. You have to carry the cross. Jesus did miracle after miracle. He gave and He gave and He gave. And at the end of His life, you would think there would have been a reward. You would have thought somehow there would have been something that when He came to that age of 33, that somehow He would have got a pat on the back, that He would have received something for all the great things He did. But what did He receive? He received a cross. A cross. A cross. When he gave his life totally, that's when he gained everything. He gained salvation for you and me. Because in three days, the Bible said he rose again. And he transferred all of the power that he had to us. He said that you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm going to give you a power to go out and do greater works more things. We must 
pick up the second cross. We must fulfill his calling. He did everything that he did to save the lost. And we must be the same way. James 5 and 20 says, Let him know that he that converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. It takes sacrifice to carry a cross. It takes a burden to carry a cross. It takes something more than coming to church. But it takes a personal, a personal account with God. That God has talked to you. That God has given you the power of the Holy Ghost. That God has spoke to you. And that as you pick up this cross and you carry it every single day, you carry this cross and you don't carry it in vain. No matter how many people spit on you. No matter how many people deny you. No matter how many people make fun of you. They might say you're a lunatic. Or you're a nerd. Or you're not cool. It doesn't matter. Because I've got a greater calling. I've got a greater purpose. Something in my heart that beats greater. Something in my heart that, that, that takes me further than your, your immature name calling. Your immature things that you might do to me. But God, I'm going to pick my cross up and I'm going to carry it. And if there's anywhere that it doesn't go, I'm not going to lay it down and walk in. But I'm going to carry it. And I'm not going to go in places that it doesn't go. I'm not going to put myself in situations that I have to lay it down. God, when I put you on, I put you on for real. I didn't put you on so I could take you off. I'm going to carry my cross. There are people that fast weeks in and weeks out for the kingdom of God. There are people that spend hours of prayer every day for the kingdom of God. There are people that dedicate their entire life for the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're putting on their cross. They're picking it up. The question that I have for you is that if you feel the burden of the Lord this morning, if you feel God moving in your heart, if God is God is tugged on you this morning, then I urge you to come to an altar and pick up your cross again. And when you walk out those doors, that cross goes with you. That it's not put on and not carried out. But that if God has moved in your heart, if God has done something to you through the order of this service, if He has moved in you, that you'll come to an altar and allow Him to put on the cross. Let Him put it on your back so that tomorrow at school somebody can hear about Him. Tomorrow at work somebody can can know about Him. These altars are open for you this morning.
I hope that somebody somewhere picks up a cross this morning.